Amen. Well, good morning, Westview. It is so good to see your wonderful smiling faces. My name is Wayne Hobson. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Westview Community Church. And we want to welcome you to week four of Imagine. Now, before I go any further, if you're visiting with us and for those watching us by Facebook Live, please connect with us and let us know how much you are enjoying the experience of seeing Westview Live on Facebook and online as well. But for those of you here with us as well, for the first time, you will notice on your worship guide, there's a little section called the Connect Card. If you will just fill that out with your information, we'd love to get in touch with you and share more with you about Westview. And you can leave that after you fill it out in the offering boxes on either end of the exits after service. Well, we are in this series called Imagine, which is based on the John Lennon song. The first week, we talked with you about Imagine There Were No Christmas Trees, No Reason for Hope. The next week, we talked about Imagine No Christmas Lights, No Reason for Joy. Last week, we talked about Imagine There Were No Christmas Presents, which would mean there would be no presence of God himself. This week, we want you to imagine there are no Christmas carols. Imagine there are no songs of joy, no songs which tell us about the coming of Jesus, because ultimately, this series is asking you to imagine if Christmas never happened. And can you imagine that if there were no Christmas carols, no songs, what this season would be like? In fact, when we think about what's in a song, because a Christmas carol is a hymn that reminds us of the season. Think about your favorite song that you heard in that most important moment in your own life. Think about the song that was playing when you first realized you were in love and that the person you were in love with would become your spouse. Or think about the song that was playing when your first child was born. Think about how exciting it was to hear that song again because all those memories came flooding back in. You can remember the light in the love of your life's eyes. You can remember that smile from your child from the very first time you laid eyes on him or her and how you knew you were in love with them from that point on. 
But what if none of that ever happened? What would life be like? Would it be dismal? Would it be something that left you in despair from day to day? Can I share something with you as friends? Can I? Thank you. This week for me and maybe for some of you was like the week from Hades. Yeah, everything that could possibly go wrong did. Everything from me catching a cold to the storm that blew through Wednesday night. Anybody remember that storm? How could you forget it? Yeah. All the way to my brand new laptop crashing. Can I get a aww? Oh, thank you. But I don't share that with you because I want sympathy. Actually, I'm looking for empathy. Can you empathize with that? Because maybe this week for you was like that. Or maybe parts of this year or even last year were like that for you. And maybe this Christmas doesn't have the joy in it for you that you would hope it would have because memories of things not going so well come rushing back in. And I share that with you because the nation of Israel went through that. We shared with you in the very first sermon in this series that Israel had gone through a period after returning from the Babylonian exile back to their homeland they experienced over 400 years of God not speaking. No prophetic voice, no voice of hope. And despair had set in the land because after they got home, they were eventually conquered by the Greeks and then the Romans. And now they were under Roman occupation. They were at a point where they had no hope, no joy, no reason to celebrate anything. And even though they had 150 psalms to choose from, there was no joy in their singing. Oh, they still sang, but not with meaning, not with feeling just out of tradition, just because it was what they had been taught to do over and over and over again. Can you imagine being imperialized, having people live in your own territory and tell you exactly what to do? And you had to follow it. It was like being under house arrest they were under house arrest in their own backyard. And the worst part of it was, it wasn't just them, but they knew that it would be the same fate for their children, 
and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. They lost hope. And so what's in a song is the joy that floods in with the memories of those words from each and every one of those songs that should have meant everything to them. But hopelessness is one quick step from helplessness. And that's where they were as a people, as a nation. And being under that oppression not only affected their own mental health and well-being, but it affected their relationship with God because they didn't know whether or not God loved them anymore. Can you imagine not knowing if the person you should love the most even loves you? How can you truly love them back under those circumstances? That's where Israel was. They were at a place where they did not know if God cared about them anymore. Of course he did. But if Jesus had not come, they would have stayed in that place. Because they not only lost hope in God and not only lost faith, They lost the ability to come to God. What's so interesting is that they got to a point where they felt as if God was so far from them that he was unreachable. Now, the Bible tells us that Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But they went beyond fear. They were afraid. Afraid of the Romans. Afraid of what would happen to them. Afraid of God himself. Now, we know that the difference between fear and being afraid is a fine line, but we know that fear means to reverence the power of God. But being afraid paralyzes you to the point that you won't even approach him. So that's where Israel was, especially when we look at our verses we're going to examine today. In the Gospel of Luke, would you turn with me to the third book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke? And we're going to spend some time in Luke chapter 1 because there's something fascinating that happens. Remember now, Israel had been at a point where they had known being occupied for a number of years. 
by the Romans. And so with that, not only was their hope and faith gone, their reason for singing was gone. With the fear that came over them at that point, transitioning to being afraid, they needed something to restore their relationship with God. Because he was nothing more at this point than a phantom without a face. I wonder if maybe a few of us today know what that feels like. Where you feel as if God has left you and so now maybe you leaving God. And with all of this coming down on these people, imagine the worst week of their lives becoming the worst decade. And even the worst hundred years. And they compiled more and more and more worse and worse and worse. But then one day, according to Luke, something happened. You see, in Luke chapter 1, there's a story of an old priest named Zechariah. Some versions of the Bible call him Zacharias. But he was an old priest doing his specific duty where he was to light the incense. They would go into the temple and do this periodically. And it was his responsibility at this point to do that. And he gets a visitation. And normally we would feel the idea of being afraid of God, but God loves to send a clear message. Perhaps the most important message for us this morning not only comes from what we're going to read, but from what the angel who appears to Zechariah first says to him. And these words become what brings us the greatest comfort. Don't be afraid. Take a look with me in Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. Now here Zechariah is in the temple by himself. And verse 11 says, all at once. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear. But the angel reassured him, saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you, for I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness, 
many will rejoice because of him. God speaks. And the first message he wants his people to know is, don't be afraid. I am with you. Even for us today, with all the things going on around us, God says the same thing. Don't be afraid. And so now this news comes to Zechariah that he and his wife, though they're both elderly and they've had no children, the prayer has been answered that they would have a child. And the angel tells him that this child will bring not only him joy and gladness, but that the people will rejoice. But like I told you, that message, don't be afraid. That's how God always begins to communicate in parts of the New Testament, and particularly the Gospels. It's the message that God delivers to his people when they need to hear it the most, because even when we look further down in Luke, in that same chapter, chapter 1, verse 30, the angel Gabriel now appears to Mary the the angel goes all the way to Nazareth to deliver this message. Look at what he says in verse 30. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. God has been gracious to you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. God doesn't just confirm his word. He affirms it as well. Because he sends not one message of hope, but two. Through John and now through Jesus. From Zechariah to Mary. God's use of song is his response to us and to our need because what God always wants us to know is that there is joy in the air whether you see it or feel it or not and in the midst of all of this there's a reason now to sing the purpose of the song that we're about to see is to re-identify with the love of God because without that and without Jesus coming, we would never know how much God loves us. We would never even know that God loves us. But something spectacular comes out of these moments for both Zechariah and Mary. Because when we look further down in that same chapter, 
Mary has something to say. And so does Zechariah. Because you may remember in the story that for Zechariah, he lost the ability to speak until after John was born. And now he and Mary both have something to say. And I propose this to you. You know, when we talk about Christmas carols and songs and a reason to sing and a reason to not be afraid, historians and scholars have tried to figure out what was the first Christmas carol. And they settled on at least two different songs, one from the 13th century out of France, which by translation is called Jesus, Ruler of the Nations. But another carol that came out not too, too long, either before or after it, if you're not sure of the dating, was a song called The Four Beasts which were about the four animals that were around the manger of Jesus after he was born. So many scholars say, well, those were the first Christmas carols. But I propose something different. I propose to you that the very first Christmas carol is right here in Scripture. That Mary gives us the first Christmas carol. Because look what Mary says after she hears the news that she's going to give birth to the Savior. Luke chapter 1 again, verse 54. He has kept the promise he made to our ancestors and has come to the help of his servant Israel. He has remembered to show mercy to Abraham and to all his descendants forever. These words are in a quotation, which implies that it's a song, that it's not something she said alone, but something she sang because the joy had returned. And not only her, but Zechariah, when we look at verses 68 through 77, you're going to hear something that sounds quite similar. Zechariah says, let us praise the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to the help of his people and has set them free. He has provided for us a mighty Savior, a descendant of his servant David. He said that he would show mercy to our ancestors and remember his sacred covenant. And with a solemn oath to our ancestor Abraham, he promised to rescue us from our enemies and allow us to serve him without fear. Doesn't that sound like Mary's song? blessing the God of Israel, and then remembering that he remembers his people. That's the beauty of Christmas carols. 
They remind us that God speaks to his people through song because though it is Zechariah and Mary who sing the song, they are singing it about God and his love for his people in a time when his people felt forgotten. God says, no, I remember. And so Mary and Zechariah bring us to this wonderful place of seeing hope again, of singing, seeing joy again so they can sing about it. Because isn't that the purpose of a Christmas carol? To remind us of how wonderful this season truly is. And what's so fascinating is that God speaks in the moment when it's darkest and things are so bleak that people have given up. That's when God speaks. And through songs and through even Christmas carols, we have the reassurance of God's love. If any season mattered, it is this one. This is the season where we experience God's love the most. Because God speaks to us through song. And even in your darkest time, Maybe there are songs that encourage you. So right now, I want a little audience participation. What is your favorite Christmas carol that carries you through? Go ahead, yell it out to me. Joy to the World. Silent Night. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Mary, did you know? Say it again. Grandma. <laughs> well, it was joy for the reindeer, not so much for Grandma. <laughs> but whether those songs bring a tear to our eye or whether they bring a smile to our cheeks, like Grandma got run over by a reindeer, Those songs are a reason for joy, and they bring memories. And we, as the church, have the greatest memory there is. That he came. Because even though this series, Imagine, is about what if he had not come, we know that he did. And because he did, we have a reason to sing. One which the world may not know and doesn't understand. Jesus is not just the reason for the season. No, he's the reason. 
period. And because of that, we are able to comfort one another because that's what Christmas carols do. They allow us to sing together to comfort one another. So Christmas carols are a way in which God speaks through us. Because he speaks to us with the songs and then he speaks through us. When we sing together, that's the purpose of church, why we come together. It's to remind us that we are the greatest comfort for one another. Take a look at what Paul says about songs in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. He uses the word speak to one another, but we can also use the phrase sing to one another. With the words of psalms, hymns, and sacred songs, sing hymns and songs to the Lord with praise in your hearts. Why? Because together we become a powerful voice that outshines the darkness in the world around us. Together as the church, because Jesus comes, we have a reason to sing, and not to sing alone, but to sing together with joy. And so, through song, God lets us together have peace. We have the chance to experience comfort. When we sing, we have not only the experience to have comfort, we have the experience of comforting each other so that we are never really alone because that is why so many of us in the world today feel sorry for ourselves and feel sorrow at Christmas because we're alone. But with Jesus, we come together. So we experience the comfort. We experience the peace. We have the joy and we have God's presence. All of those things together give us a reason to sing joyfully because I discovered something in my life about what joy is. Joy is Jesus over you. Because when we had a rough week or a rough year, we have also the greatest comfort ever known because he came. And because he came, we have a reason to sing. And not just a reason to sing, but something that cannot be taken from us. What God gives to us, the world can never take away. Listen to what Paul says again in Colossians 
chapter 3, verse 16. Christ's message in all its richness must live in your hearts. Teach and instruct one another with all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns, and sacred psalms. Sing to God with thanksgiving in your hearts. We have praise in our hearts. We have thanksgiving in our hearts. Why? All because Jesus came. We have a message which the world cannot silence, though they've tried. We have a message that cannot be taken away because what God gives, we get to keep. He gave us Jesus, and we keep him. It doesn't matter what the world goes through. It doesn't matter what happens around us. We, as the children of God, as the church of God, have a reason to sing despite circumstances. And our message in singing is this. Jesus has come. And the second part of that message is, and he's coming again. We sing because we are his church. And most importantly, we sing because we are his. Let's pray. So, Father, we give you thanks. Thanks for this hour, this moment of Advent, when we know of the coming of Jesus and the coming of again. We pray that this Advent season would mean more to us now than it's ever meant before. And we pray, Father, that each and every one of us would repeat the sounding joy that Jesus has come. Joy to the world, in Jesus' name, amen. Imagine there's no carol No Christmas songs to sing No melodies proclaiming Messiah, newborn King Imagine there's no voices Ringing out in you Joy to the world, the first Noel. Away in a manger in silent night. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. 
as we prepare for our offering, let us remember that God gave us a gift that keeps on giving, and we cannot outgive him. But we can share out and give out what he's given to us. You'll notice that at the exits, there are boxes for us to leave our tithes and offerings. But I'd like you to give just beyond that, to give the message of Christmas, of Advent, to those around you. Pastor Peter Marshall once said this, may we not spend Christmas or observe Christmas, but rather keep it. Beyond this one day that is coming, may we keep it for the other 364 days a year. Let's pray. Father, as we give of ourselves, may we remember the most important gift that you gave of yourself, that you wrapped yourself up clothe yourself in the body, came all the way from heaven to earth so that God for us would have a face. We give you thanks and praise for all that you give and all that we give back to you. We know that you will disperse it for your kingdom and for your glory. And so we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.